You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. And bruh. Lots of great sports. We need to start talking about them by telling you uh, uh, in a busy day what happened yesterday. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? This is the good old-fashioned what happened because we actually have to do a real whip around. There's a bunch of stories from a lot of different sports we need to get into. Because this is your home of the Canucks, and because this is a hockey market, we're going to begin with Bo Horvat. Yes, he's no longer a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, he's now not just a member of the New York Islanders, but a beloved member of the New York Islanders. Bo Horvat scored in his home debut with the Islanders yesterday, leading his new team to a 4-0 win over the Seattle Kraken. That's a big win for the Islanders on Tuesday night. The fans... The fans loved every minute of it, and the fans love Bo. Here's what it sounded like from the Islanders Arena yesterday. Take it away, laddie. More hat. More hat. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Uh, Bo was very, very appreciative of, of the home fans, chanting his name so much so that he actually referenced it. In his post-game remarks, he actually had a walk-off interview, you know, the ones they do on the ice mm-hmm. for the American broadcasts, and he, he looked at the crowd and he said, you know, thank you guys, this was very special. Mm-hmm. And then he went and he met with the media afterwards and just reiterated, I, and, yeah, just let you guys hear what he had to say about the, the chant, the Horvat, Horvat. Take it away. How's it feel to hear the crowd chanting your name and yeah. your first goal on Islander Yeah, I know. I mean, that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, I haven't had a... Uh, a chant like that uh, in a building that loud, and uh, I don't think ever. So, um, no, it's pretty amazing. Uh, amazing welcome, and you know, it definitely felt good to get it in my first game uh, at home. Yeah, but there's no big deal about him saying that. That was the absolute truth. The Canucks fans have never chanted his name like that. They haven't. You disappoint me, Canucks fans. But because he's because when would they have? Did they ever have a four nothing win in which Bo Horvat scored? I don't. I don't. I'm when not, would they have? I'm not making a deal of this. I was just joking around. Yeah. No. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. No. No. Shade. I yeah. <laughs> they came in this and were like Bo Horvat throw. That was what if we were trying to do tabloid journalism. That's what it would be. Mm. Bo Horvat scores winner. Scores goal. Throws shade at former team. No. It's you know what? Um, it was. It's actually I watched the video, and without trying to read too much into this entire situation. He just looked like a happier guy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's cool uh, yeah, for that great. to happen. Yeah. He's not, I mean, he ha- he did media It's never yesterday. happened to me. No, he's, it should. But. They chanted your name before. Yeah. But it was always followed by, sir, please leave. But, uh, <laughs> they, you know, it was great to see that I just feel like it's like he's gone. We let him go. Mm-hmm. And now he's able to live his life I think and not f- be worried about the constraints of being the captain and all the pressures that come with it and the and never-ending cloud of... As day, we heard in the audio, the, the daily tire fires from Vancouver just I, felt nice. I think this season has completely changed his perception around the league. Think about how many times his name has been in the news. Like, And, and part of it, and a big part of it, is the fact that he's scoring a crazy amount of goals relative now. to his career average this season. The pace he's on, he's never approached this pace. So... Not only has he been doing that, he's also been number one on all these trade boards. So people outside of Vancouver were paying attention to him because there are a lot of teams who are like, 
Maybe Horvat will come to my team, whether you're in you know, Colorado or the Islanders or Toronto. I mean, there were conversations about him in Toronto, Seattle, uh, Seattle everywhere uh, that was looking for goal scoring or looking for centers or looking to ramp up for a playoff run. And then he signs this massive contract that is like superstar style contract and he scores in his first home game. So like the the life for Bo Horvat, the perception, I think the word perception is the right one. That's good. Has completely changed for Horvat around the league. But now the pressure's on Horvat yeah. because he's got that savior status with the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders had won two in a row before he was traded there, and then they went into Philly and got a win in his first game with them, and then their first his first home game with the Islanders, it's 4 nothing over Seattle. So the Islanders have now won four in a row. But this was a team that had lost six in a row yeah. before uh, this four-game winning streak. So, you know, Lou Lamorello made this move – the timing of this move worked for both teams because it worked for the Canucks because they were like, God, we can't keep playing this guy and risk that he's going to get hurt. Like, that would just be a nightmare. But for the Islanders, they needed someone to come in and help them because they didn't want to wait all the way until the yeah. beginning of the March to help them in this this playoff race. We're going to go over the playoff races later in the show in both the East and the West, just kind of check in with how things are going because they're Awesome playoff races. Yeah, there's a you know, and the Islanders are right in the thick of that Eastern Conference playoff chase. Not to just diminish the Western one, but I was looking at the East last night because the Islanders played, and it is going to be a really competitive race. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, so the next thing we need to do is we run down what happened last night. A fairly noteworthy night in the National Basketball Association. They have you know a new all-time leading scorer, LeBron James took a 14-foot jumper with about 11 seconds remaining in the third quarter last night. This wasn't just your average jump shot, folks. This was a pretty significant one because it allowed him to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. For those that didn't hear it, this is what it sounded like. Westbrook looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James, a shot in history, and LeBron stands alone! The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron James. You know, it's funny. We've talked a lot about these really significant records falling in the hockey context with Ovechkin eventually surpassing Gretzky. But this Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record has actually been around longer. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, Kareem was the NBA's leading scorer since April 5th, 1984. <laughs> he set this thing a long time ago. To put it in perspective, LeBron was born nine months after Kareem set the scoring record. And Kareem's status and legacy in the NBA is he's, you know, there's always the conversations about who's the GOAT, and it's always MJ, usually. Right. Kareem does enter the conversations as being a recognized force, but his legacy was that he played for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious when you go back and look at the photographical evidence of his career. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a dramatic change, right? Physically. It looks very different. Yeah, he broke in in black and white, and then the games moved to color. Like, when he broke in, the games weren't even televised, the NBA Finals. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, he went underwent this sea change in the National Basketball Association, and Kareem was the constant. Well... LeBron has surpassed that. He has been, like, they were showing clips of his first ever game. I was in 
like I wasn't even done university yet. Now, granted, I went for a long time because I was stupid, but I I went for a long, I remember being in college, which feels like a lifetime ago, watching LeBron make his NBA debut. And I'm 43 now. He's mm-hmm. just been doing this for forever and has never really missed any significant time. And just like, it's funny, you know, like, how would you describe LeBron? I'm like, just never stops playing basketball. He is just a constant over the last two decades. And he joins a small group of players that had hype well before they turned professional and actually realized that potential. Like I think of, you know, Wayne Gretzky, who had this crazy amount of hype mm-hmm. when he was just a little kid, right? To the point where, you know, he had to leave his hometown because he was getting too much attention there. Uh, Tiger Woods would be in that category as well. Like people were talking about, I mean, the guy was on like TV when he was like three years old, right? And yep. his dad, his dad was a big part of that. And um, he obviously realized his his potential. LeBron is in that category as well, right? Like the, the hope for this guy when he, you know, well before he was the first overall pick in yeah. the NBA draft, it was like, this guy is going to be something. And he realized it. I mean, he and he and 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 I maybe the difference between Gretzky, Tiger, and LeBron is I feel like I know Tiger had his off course things, but like I feel like LeBron was criticized a lot more than those guys for yeah. his, for his for his athletic. For as athletic stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that really, if you look at the totality of his career, mm-hmm. uh, here's a guy that played an insane amount of games. He's third all-time yeah. in, in minutes played in NBA history. Never got injured, didn't take nights off, had no off-court drama in terms of like marital stuff or legal issues. Right. Just, you know... There's just people that didn't kind of like, like him. him. They didn't like yeah. him. Yeah, they but, didn't like him. But it'll be interesting now because he's got such a statistical like uppercut to throw in these fights about who's the greatest of all time. Now, I'm not saying that he is, but you've got to consider this. He's the number one scorer in NBA history. He's number four all time in assists. Mm-hmm. He's number nine in steals. He's number 32 in rebounds. Like he, By the time he's done, and by the way, the end of this legacy is he wants to become the first ever NBA player to play with his son in a regular season game. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He could end up being number one in a, in a couple categories, which is crazy. I have a question for you. Yes. You know how the NHL's scoring resurgence has been a factor in OV's chase for Wayne Gretzky's goal total, mm-hmm. right? Can everyone like accept that? Like his the the league is more high scoring now. Yeah, he and wasn't going to break Ovi. the record in the dead puck era, but now he can because there's more scoring. For how sure. much does that help LeBron in his chase of Kareem? Because uh, we got a good text in here. The crazy thing is Kareem, I think, only hit one or two three pointers in all his career, so he did it with free throws and hook shots. Yeah, which that's, is amazing. Yeah, sure. The the changing of the game aided LeBron very much. But you got to remember that there were several years, especially in the early stages of his career, where Kareem was the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain Mm -hmm. because he was just so big and so fluid and so athletic that no one could compete with him. Like, have you ever... They have always those stats for NBA single-game records where it's like, uh, Luka Doncic had 40 points and 20 rebounds the other night. And the only other player to do it was Wilt Chamberlain. Then he'd have like right. 63 points and 41 rebounds, <laughs> 27 blocks. You'd be like, what? The, 
but that was <laughs> at the early stages of his career. That was crazy. You got to remember, like Kareem average. I think it was like his third or fourth year. He had averaged thirty five points a game, which is a crazy high total. Mm-hmm. And um, but at the same time, like LeBron got to play in an era where. The shots were worth more. There suddenly was a shot that was worth three instead and of two. And people were taking way more of them. And people, yeah, and there was this huge scoring spike in the last little bit. Where like last night's of, game, watching last night's game didn't resemble anything of the Kareem era. No, but it was a very high scoring game. It was 133 that's to 130. What, but that's yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know about the Kareem era, but you know, th- here's the thing: 30 years ago, Kareem right? played so long. Where he went through, changed. he went through dead ball errors, and he went through inflated yeah, scoring exactly. errors. Like he just played forever. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing. And now, so all I mean, I was I was doing a fair bit of uh, background on this because, like, LeBron's made it abundantly clear what his goal is now, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I know he wants to win titles. I don't think it's going to happen with this current Lakers team and the Anthony Davis thing, which is super weird, by the way. I don't get what's going on. Davis sat down when LeBron took a shot to break Abdul-Jabbar's record yesterday and didn't celebrate it at all. Yeah, it, got caught, it got caught on a fan camera. I don't have the bandwidth or the understanding to know exactly what's going on, but I'll throw it out there. Anyway, um, LeBron's goal isn't to win titles now. It's to play with his son. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's... Well, they were losing the whole time last night. Yeah, and it got close, but they lost 133 to 130. So to Oklahoma City. Yeah. And, and Sha- that was a very important game for them. And Shai Gilgis-Alexander in his gigantic shoes. Mm-hmm. You saw those? I put them in the text thread yesterday. Oh, were the red ones? Yeah. Are those the new Astro boots or whatever? No, there. It's a play on the big hats. Oh, you okay. know the giant hats that everyone's wearing now. Yeah, I know. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've become a thing. Big yeah. hats. Yeah. Big, yeah. big hats. The big hats. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're Funny thinking hat. about getting a pair mm-hmm. of hats, and maybe the shoes. The shoes are less visible on the stream. I think big hats would be pretty. It's like, look, it's a. It's a big, big hat. Every, it used to just be a joke. That was a Norm McDonald bit for mm-hmm. uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Right. It's like, look, I got a, a big hat. It's yeah. funny because it's, uh, it's a big. Turd Ferguson. Yeah, but now yeah. it's yeah. yeah, but now it's not even a joke anymore. To it's get real. back on topic, I yeah, actually sorry. have some Kareem audio that we can play if you want, or I the can captain. just uh, describe it to you. But uh, he talks about the record, and, and he gets back to your initial point, Mike, mm-hmm. when you talked about LeBron just playing a really long time and being healthy. Uh, Shaq asked him what, the main reason that he thought his record would be broken was, and, and that's basically the answer he gave. Let's listen in. In your mind, did you ever think that record would be broken? Because I never thought it would be broken. I thought it, it had uh, every chance of being broken. Uh, just had, had to have somebody that uh, the uh, offense focused on uh, continually. You know, game in, game out, the, the offense focused on them and uh, enabled him or a player like myself to uh, accumulate a whole lot of uh, scoring. Uh, take Kobe, for instance, someone that you played with. You know? Okay, uh, we got to move along here because we do have a third story that we want to get into, uh, and that is Jim Rutherford. So Jim Rutherford sort of either through some or no doing or all, I don't know, but he became the main character yesterday because a lot of different people were talking about and writing about his future as Canuck president of hockey operations. I, I, we may as well just put it out there right away is that Patrick Johnston did a piece for the province writing about this. And the lead was basically if there are whispers about Jim Rutherford's future in Vancouver, they should be tossed away, thrown out the window. So sort of pushing back against what Steve Simmons wrote in the Toronto sun over the weekend, but there are some questions around Rutherford's future. Uh, We should go right to the audio on this because in addition to, 
it being written about it in the paper. Uh, you know, our local hockey insider, Rick Dollywall, tweeting about it, reaching out to Rutherford. Uh, it made its way to the Jeff Merrick show where Merrick and Friedman talked about rumblings that Jim Rutherford might not be long for this Vancouver Canucks poho job. Here now, Jeff Merrick show, uh, Merrick and Elliot Friedman on Rutherford. I would be a little bit surprised because I think the thing with Rutherford is um, he's pretty private. That's number one. Number two, the one thing I do think is I think this year has stressed everybody out, like not just the fans and the players, but the organization from top to bottom. Um, It's gone worse than everybody hoped. Um, There's been almost a tire fire every day and, you know, things have gotten out uh, that have, you know, uh, affected the way they can do their business, right? And, you know, the organization is trying to figure out, like, how all these things are getting out and, and what's happening. And I think it's been a highly stressful year. I just think at the end, and I think they've got some long-term decisions to make about, you know, w- where they're going, not only on the ice, but off it. You know, their front office, Uh, who's going to be there long-term and who isn't. But the one thing I I think about with Rutherford is that he knows that if he was to walk away, this would probably be the end. And I'm not sure yet that that's what he's – I'm not sure yet that's where he is. I I think he wants – I think he would want a chance to try and fix it as opposed to walk away in the middle of it. So in 32 Thoughts, the written version, Elliot uh, published one late last night, and his first thought was this. For the record, Jim Rutherford denies he is considering resigning from the Canucks. Vancouver's got a lot of decisions to make on and off the ice, but he's determined to lead that process. So Freach noted that the Canucks may have some long-term decisions to make in the front office. And he seemed to insinuate that those decisions go beyond just Rutherford. What's interesting for me about Rutherford, by the way, is even if he isn't on the verge of quitting, he's 74 and he's only on a three-year contract and he's in the second year of that contract right now. Mm -hmm. It's more than reasonable to wonder if next season might be his last with the Canucks and if that was the plan all along, right? There's not many people that work these high-pressure jobs into their mid-70s, right? Right. Unless you're the president of the United States, and then I, I got, think it's a pretty wreck. That's when you start the job. That's, that's a pretty wreck to be that old. Yeah. And it's working out great. Yeah. Um, but maybe later in the show we can just go through the front office, and we'll have some fun with this, and we'll just go through that. We'll bring up the front office page from the Canucks website and go, all right, is this person a, a, a long-term fit with the organization or is this person going to be here forever and maybe we can come up with some you know what what else do they need well but uh, you know i think the conclusion that i have if i have the overall conclusion to make right now is that jim rutherford was supposed to bring stability to the front office after instability let's be honest uh, especially at the end of the last front office because everyone was like, when are these guys going to get fired? Yep, That's not stability. He's been here, what, a year? Barely a year? There's still instability in the front office. Right. I Look, again, here's how we're going to frame this, I think, is it's we asked the question 
about Rutherford's future. Seems like we sure got a pretty definitive answer from Rutherford himself, from the sources that Patrick Johnson had around the club who confirmed it as much. Uh, There's nothing to these rumors that he's ready to quit or ready to walk away. At the same time, I think that it can be used as a jumping off point to ask very valid and legitimate questions about the front office. The future of the front office. The future of the front office. Because all the things that we're talking about are based in fact. He is 74 years old. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of people that work in these high-profile, high-pressure jobs in that stage of their lives and often not do it for a long time. I would also add, it's not like he doesn't have a history of abruptly quitting jobs. Mm -hmm. I understand that the Pittsburgh situation happened in a very unique time during COVID, during the pandemic, but the reality is is that there's a, a, a history there of where Things got to a point where he was like, this isn't good for me. This isn't healthy. Mental health, I'm, I'm walking away. So I think having all of that out there leads to very valid points. And really, you know, not even with the backdrop of Rutherford, but it's a big multifaceted front office in a year where, as Elliot so eloquently pointed out, there's been a tire fire every day. That's the slogan for the team. It's like a chicken in every pot. A tire fire every day for the fans. A smiling face. It's a tire that's smiling, but also on fire. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the you the best. Halford and Bruff. On a Wednesday. What is this? It's amazing. That's what it is. <laughs> you know oh, what? This, has, horn, okay? this has Harold, Harold Faltmeyer vibes to it. Kinda. It's not upbeat enough. No, but it's in that very like. Harold low... Faltmeyer was like charging forward. In that, in this very sort of low rent dollar store style that is the generic music vault. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. This is awesome. Again, we need a dog cam in studio. One, because anytime these songs come on, Andy does a chair dance, which in befitting with most of his character, it's just adorable to watch. Not that kind of chair dance. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you haven't like you, Laddie's <laughs> having a good time. <laughs> Dollar bills flying. The chair dances you're thinking of involve being out of the chair. You're actually just sitting in the chair, bobbing your head up and down. Again, not that. Not that Can kind I of touch him? Yeah, not that kind of chair dance. Okay. All right. Let's fade move. this down before things get too crazy. This is getting pretty wacky here on the Halford and Bruff show in the morning. <laughs> Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. Uh, Chris Faber is going to join us in just a sec here to kick off hour three. It's brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Kintech, go. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500. Five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. I know we got to get to Faber, but I, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. All show. Yes. Are you intentionally color coordinating? 
They asked me that this morning, the dogs yeah, did. Because I've noticed you do that. So right now, Halford is wearing, like, it's a black and white ensemble. It's an old, um, it's kind of a combination Chicago White Sox hat. Correct. Because uh, it's the black and white, but it's the old logo. It's the old, it's the new White Sox colors, black and white, with the old yeah. White Sox logo. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then you're also wearing a black and white sh- uh, track. I've been doing this. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. No, just nobody ever noticed. Right. I told me it's a stop. But is that is that your bad. brand now? Is that what you do? Like you know how everyone's got like because ever since we're streaming, is that is that what you do now? But I was doing. This is just how I've always dressed. It's not though. It's not it's at not. all. It is. I've known it you is. a long time. Yeah, you, this... I've never. I've never been like there goes Halford color go, coordinated go, again. Yeah. Go look back through. No. Yeah. You it, have done I've, this. I have. I have track jackets. But you've never color coordinated like yes, this. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just I always have. Just no one ever know. No one ever noticed me. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. You don't stand out enough. No, that's why I had to color coordinate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, you look like you're gonna start rapping my Adidas. <laughs> I got that old Run DMC track. Yes. Well, it, one from Raising Hell. One. It's very on brand for rap. If we're gonna have a, if we're gonna have. A hip hop reference. My I, Adidas, we make a mean team. My Adidas and me. You have to be from 1984, which is when I think that track came out. That um, was the first ever rap album I had. It was a tape. What was the first ever? You've told this anecdote before, but I've forgotten the mm-hmm. first ever tape that you bought. No, on it was the your first own. ever vinyl I got. Oh, okay. Was Van Halen's 1984, which has Jump and yes. Panama on it, and Hot for Teacher. Unforgettable. You know, if you um, if you Google the word Jump. Which song do you think you get first? It's not the Pointer Sisters one, is it? No. Jump Around? Oh, Jump Around? No. Is it Van Halen's? No. It's Jump by Crisscross. Oh, that's oh. disappointing. The world constant guys. The world constantly disappoints me. I think this is tailored to Alfred's searches. So that's what he gets when he searches. Yeah, you're right. Really your algorithm. The, the algorithm is giving me crisscross. It's because of my. You're not going to start wearing. You're going to be color coordinated with your clothes backwards soon. I am. Yeah, this yeah. is his Russian mafia fit. Tomorrow he's coming with the crisscross fit. Do you know when crisscross came out? There were guys in my high school that legitimately yep. started wearing their clothes. Yeah, oh, they were huge, man. I was in elementary, but I mean, I vividly remember it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you were. Just putting your pants on backwards yeah. at the time. I mean, it was great. I was already, Andy, I was very already, fashion forward. I was already doing it anyway, so I was just great. I didn't have to change. And your underwear on your head. Yeah. Interesting. Which is a new. But it would have been fine because you were a child at the time. Faber's been on hold for nine right. minutes. He's by the fine. Way. You know what? He missed a hit. He can suffer. Uh, and that is what this conversation is: just intense suffering. Um, it's fine if you were a kid. He's got a good point, though. Is there were like grown ass men. <laughs> That were wearing their pants backwards, mm-hmm. and it was the style at the time. You know, it was a huge breakthrough for my high school when House of Pain came out with all their Celtics gear. Yeah. Because finally the white guys were like, yes, yeah. I can do this now. Do you have a pair of Dickies and a Larry Bird jersey? <laughs> so, you are through the You're looking glass. You're in the club. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is that a Carhartt shirt? Anyway, let's go to the phone lines. Chris Faber, Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation, joins us now from Chris Cross. Chris Faber's going to make you jump. jump. To Chris Faber. And what up, Fabes? Uh, doing good, guys. Just uh, yeah, just sitting over here laughing away. Yeah, that was but, good stuff. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk Elias Pettersson, the new version. So I'm sure you heard what another classic Halford and Bruff moment yesterday when we thought you were talking to future captain. Elias Pettersson, and then went off on a tangent about that, only to find that that had nothing to do with your conversation 
because you were talking to the other Elias Pettersson. The first question I have is, is he fully cognizant of the fact that he's the other Elias Pettersson? <laughs> yeah, I I actually listed off like the seven top nicknames that I've seen like around for him and he laughed at like all of them. He loved all of them. Uh, I asked him if it was weird or funny and he thinks it's hilarious. Like he, he just loves it. He's, you know, he's aware of like what people were going to say when he said that Elias Pettersson was his favorite player in the NHL. Um, he, he's a very aware of it and I think he thinks it's funny. So it'll be interesting to see what happens eventually when they actually, you know, if they get to the point where they're both in the NHL lineup to see what they do with the jerseys, that's going to be hilarious. But, uh, he thinks it's funny. He loves all the nicknames that he sees online. Uh, his favorite one is EP two. He said, okay. when I asked him about that, what is, is his Jersey number number two? Uh, with Sweden, he wears two. I've seen him wear 42 once, and I was mm-hmm. like, that's the one. Like, you got to be 42. Uh, so he was going to do, like, I was hoping he was going to do that at the World Juniors. He wore number two, uh, wears number 26 as well. So he's kind of uh, mixes it up. But if he likes EP2, that might be the way to go in the future here. Okay, so EP2 turns 19 in a few days, so still a very young guy. Where is he at his development process? Uh, much further ahead than I think anybody thought he'd be at. He's playing double-digit minutes consistently in the SHL as an 18-year-old. That's really good if you're like a, a scoring winger, right? Like if you're, you know, like Jonathan LeCaramacchi last year in the SHL, but not anymore. But with, with Elias Pettersson, it's, you know, to be a defenseman and to be trusted to play 16 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night, that's, that's a huge ask from an 18-year-old in the SHL. That's something that we don't see very often specifically from a guy who isn't a first round pick. So the the development that he's had this season, I talked to him quite a bit about it and he's extremely happy with how everything's going. He gave a lot of praise to Mikhail Samuelson, who, you know, each of these Swedish players that I've talked to in the past couple of weeks has brought up uh, and said that he's doing an incredible job with them. It's like, you know, drafting's one thing and you need to draft good talent, but developing I think is you know, probably even more valuable than having good draft picks later in rounds. Like the Canucks finally have somebody out there in Europe to talk to these players, to go see them in person, to be someone that they trust and learn a lot from. Uh, and it's really good to hear that that's helping with his development, but he's, he's at a level that I don't think I would have expected even giving a really positive outlook into this year. Like I wouldn't have thought he'd be doing what he's doing right now. And that's the reason why he's, like our number one prospect. I think he's the number one prospect in the Canucks system. Wow. I think he potentially is above Atu Ratu, who I really haven't had the full evaluation of yet. But I think this guy does so many things so well as an 18-year-old, whether it be puck retrievals, uh, he's learning how to be physical. He talked about like loving being the guy who protects his goaltender, protects his teammates. Like There's just a lot to to love about the way this guy plays the game and what he's doing at 18 years old. So the fact that you call him the Canucks number one prospect is both good for DPD, but also <laughs> not so good for Jonathan LeCaramacchi, who was taken in the same draft, 15th overall compared to DPD at 80th overall. It has not been a good season for LeCaramacchi. Um, some of it beyond control, this latest foot injury, not his fault, but also didn't play well at times. Uh, well, for most of the season, I suppose. It's unfortunate because it sounded like he was finding his game and then he got hurt. How much is this injury going to affect his development? Because we were talking about this yesterday. It's not just playing well, it's playing. That's a big part of developing. Yeah, it's massive. And I think the interesting thing that came from our conversation last week was 
how different the SHL and the Al Svenskin is and the things that he talked about because the Al Svenskin's the second tier over there, SHL, they're the first tier. And the SHL is such a structured league where you really need to fit into structure. I've heard this from all three of the guys who I've talked to in the last two weeks that play in the SHL. And the Al Svenskin is a league where it feels like it's more back and forth action. And it's kind of, you know, reminds me of the NHL and the AHL a little bit, right? And I thought that when LeCaramecki, when he mentioned that about the Al Svenskin, I was like, okay, you sh- like your skills should be good then. Like they should be better in the Al Svenskin. You're a speedy player who likes to shoot the puck and he just has not had success this year. He scored two goals in 29 games. He added a goal in the shootout, which for some reason they count to the stats there in, in Sweden. So it says he has three goals on the year. He only scored two goals in 29 games this season. Like as a guy who got opportunities on the first line, as a guy who was given power play time throughout the season in each and one, each and every single one of those games, he, you know, he should have scored more. He should have scored a lot more. It's, it's an opportunity situation for him there where he was getting the best of them. And he was playing with his, you know, lifelong friends that he's grown up playing junior hockey with on the third line. And they should have chemistry. They should have been scoring. The other two guys were like, you know, like, it's kind of tough to see the two players get drafted after him have much better seasons. And mm-hmm. I think the skill is obviously there with LeCaramacchi, but there is something really missing. Like it reminds me a lot of what we saw from Danila Klimovich last year, where yes, the skill is clearly there, but there's something not clicking for him to kind of like unlock that skill. And we've seen that with Klimovich this year. So that's a really good step in the right direction. So I don't know, maybe they got to get LeCare Mackey to Abbotsford and, you know, working with the Sedins and, and Colleton down there. But I, I have to imagine him going through this season, though he feels much more comfortable in Sweden. I got to think that that year that he just had, because like his season's over guys, like he, yeah. you know, it's, it's an eight week injury here. I don't think uh Jurgarden's going to be a team that goes really deep into the Al Svenskan playoffs. I, I think he's done playing this year. And I have to imagine that this didn't go great for him. And I have to imagine that the other young prospects he's grown up with are likely moving on from there. Like whether they're coming to the AHL or the NHL, they're probably moving on. So I, I, I think he needs to really take an evaluation here of what he wants to do next season. And though he talked about being comfortable in Sweden, I would not be shocked to see the Canucks think that the AHL might be a, an idea for him to really develop kind of closely under, you know, the tutelage of the Sedins and having some other guys here to really help him. And I think he might think that way too, but it's a decision he has to make. And I know he's very comfortable in Sweden. I know that. So Fabes, when you're watching him play, what, what are you seeing out there? When you say he's, he's, he's not scoring, is he not converting on his chances? Is he not getting chances? Does he, does he, is he, is he willing to go to the dirty areas of the ice? Like, is it just not, is he not process processing the game? Can you give us a little bit more insight into what he needs to work on? Yeah, I think the the mindset to attack is something that he really needs to kind of change. It's he's got all the skill in the world. And when he's set up like uh, I hate to bring it up like as a comparison, because I know people have been doing this, but like Olio Levy, I thought was a really good penalty killer when he was in a stationary position defending when he had to defend the rush or defend chase a guy in the corner. He was horrendous. But when he was in one spot, he was smart and knew what to do in that spot. Like LeCaramacchi, you know, say the comparisons about the injuries all you want, but like he's kind of 
doing similar things in the offensive zone where when he's set up on a power play, when he has time to to view the whole ice and have the puck on his stick, he's a really good passer. He's a really good shooter, mm-hmm. but it's just like he hasn't been able to figure out how to generate enough offense off the rush or be able to crash and bang at five on five and get some of those dirty goals. Like he, he needs to find the actual danger areas on the ice. And I don't think he's found that aside from being on the power play. And as a guy who should be scoring and putting up points, you need to be aware of where the danger areas are on the ice and how to get there and be willing to go there and, and you know bang against some big defensemen and then be able to find the back of the net from some pucks in the grease like uh, there's a few Canucks prospects that I really like for that reason and LeCaramacchi needs to figure that out there needs to be something that clicks um, so that he can unlock his skill because the skill is clearly there like the guy has incredible hands can really see the ice when he has time and I think he's a player who can shoot the puck extremely well, especially for his size. Like once he puts on some muscle, he's going to have a very good one time or a very strong wrist shot. He's got all that already, but something needs to turn in the development. And this is on the Canucks. The Canucks need to step in here and show what the, you know, show their strength in developing a prospect of theirs, whether it be really honing in on him if he's in Sweden next year or getting him here to North America and developing, developing, developing. They need to take a step here with their development. This is a challenge for the Vancouver Canucks over the next 12 months to not lose this first round pick. They need to do a huge effort in developing Jonathan LeCaramacchi because he needs some help to develop. That's what I see the situation as. Uh, Atu Ratu, uh, the knock on him is his skating. Um, people will say, well, Bo Horvat improved his skating, so that's not a worry at all. To which I will say, yeah, but what about all the guys that needed to improve their skating and didn't? What kind of a challenge is this going to be for Ratu to, um, I mean, is it a fundamental stride issue that he needs to rebuild his stride or is that a little too much? Yeah, I think the good situation for him is being with the Abbotsford Canucks. Like, the Abbotsford Canucks have one of the best, like, I don't know 100% if I can say this for sure, but I think it's one of the best, if not the best, skating coach in the AHL, right? Like, I think that Mackenzie Braid does an excellent job out there. We've heard, I know, I've heard from Klimovich, I've heard from a lot of the young players, Arshdeep Baines and Chase Waters, about how much better they've gotten from skating just from Mackenzie Braid. And I know he's done an incredible job out there uh, in Abbotsford and the, the praise around the league is heard about him. So I, I think it's a really good spot for Ratu right there to learn whether it be the fundamentals. I just think that for him, it's like he looks, it looks like he's moving faster than he actually is. Like he, I feel like his stride is, it looks like it's going the right way, but it's not catching enough ice or something. Like it's not generating the power that you want to see, which is like, to me, that's right up the alley of a skating coach, right? Like skating coaches will teach you how to generate power. That should be like the first thing they're teaching you because I, I did think that Ratu, some of the goals he scored this year uh, when he was in the AHL for the Islanders team, the the Bridgeport, I don't know, somethings. But uh, Bridgeport Islanders. With them, yeah, I should have guessed that. But uh, when he was with them, like there was times where I think he scored a couple of overtime goals uh, in the AHL where he just like beat players when he was at full speed because I think when he gets five six steps into like a full ice stride like he's quick like he once he gets full speed he's there like he he's a guy who can probably beat a lot of defense defensemen when he's in a full stride i'm just curious because it's not like in hockey you don't get to your full stride every shift right like a lot of shifts you'll just be a couple quick steps and you don't get to that full speed so i think that's going to be the area where he needs to improve which is you look at a skating coach, and I think that's a, a great challenge for a skating coach to work on that with him. And if he does, I, I really like the way that 
that Ratu in his first couple AHL games was like getting to danger areas, like finding open ice in the slot, being very active when he didn't have the puck. And I think those are huge things for a player because I think you can teach a lot to somebody in the AHL because you're you're so close to the NHL and specifically the way that Abbotsford and Vancouver are just down the road from whatever skills coach you want to drive out there. We have the Sedins obviously going out there. They have a skating coach. They have a goalie coach. Like They have everything out there that an AHL team needs and, and not every AHL team in the league has this. Um, but I, I do think that like Ratu is really going to benefit from that type of development, but there's a lot of things that when he thinks the game, like I do very much like the way that he thinks the game in the offensive zone. So that at least is a huge plus. Cause I don't think you can teach how to think the game as much as you can with skating and shooting and stuff like that. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh God. This is always dead. 8.33 on a Wednesday. The music today has been something else. Amazing, I believe, is the word you're yeah. looking for. Is uh, Did you just, is flugelhorn your search term? <laughs> it actually started to come up when I typed in Faber. Oh, okay. I believe we used this as his we theme did. last time he came up. I don't know why this results in this, but it is rather soothing. I enjoy it. There's a Chuck Mangione, Chris Faber crossover that I don't quite understand, Mm -hmm. but I'm here for it. It feels so good. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's groovy. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. We're halfway through it. Brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today ooh, someone referred to this as yacht rock i think that's right i think that's what that is what a friggin boost (laughs) my froth is peaked so peaked right now okay uh it is what we learned time we have to do you have one i want to count how many we've got in studio here i don't have a what we learned a dog no i'm the only one okay uh so to celebrate LeBron James being the all-time NBA scoring leader. Just an amazing, prolific offensive performance throughout the course of his 20 seasons in the NBA. Uh, Two Oklahoma high schools celebrated that achievement yesterday Uh by finishing a game with a grand score of 4-2. to Not 42. One team, the winning team, had four points. Right. The other team, the losing team, had two points. Was it how were the points made? Uh, they were both layups, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> late in the game. Late in the, oh, it was, it was scoreless for a while, wasn't okay, it? Okay, so in the, the traditional powerhouse game in Oklahoma between Weatherford and Anadarko. Mm-hmm. Do they have the shot clock in Oklahoma? Here's the thing, Jason. As evident by the 4-2 score, they do not. Oh, okay. Weatherford was a powerhouse program coming into the game. So Anadarko said, I know how to handle this. We're going to go for six and seven minutes at a time, just passing the ball around. I saw the entire video of the first quarter sped up to like it's four times regular speed, but still to be scoreless, even doing that. They just waited until the end. So they never shot. They never shot until the end of the game. And they played great D. The amazing part, the balls on these guys is that at the end, they were, they saved the entire game to try and hit a game winning three. They were down down 4-2. That's analytics. (laughs) Folks, let me tell you. (laughs) Analytics are ruining sports. Ruining 
you know, high school basketball in Oklahoma. I, I think part of this was also a sort of, I don't want to say F you, but a kind of see what happens when you let this go on. So they, they, there's been this rule that's been there forever about the shot mm-hmm. clock in Oklahoma. And they tried to pass it through at a recent like school board athletic commission meeting. What is what is really? Oh, so you you actually researched this? Yeah, they they want they're like we should probably get with the times. The times mm-hmm. being the 1960s and <laughs> get a shot clock in basketball. <laughs> and but they won't do it. So this happened yesterday. Does so. everyone shoot their free throws like granny style too? In no, Oklahoma? that's the funny part. Is it's real basketball. They use a peach bucket for their hoop and they have to poke <laughs> yeah, it out after. Yeah, I need to get these peach buckets back. That's why I didn't want to cut the hole in the bottom of them. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, kudos to Weatherford for weathering that game. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think they moved to 20 and one on the year. So oh, uh, good for them. Moo cow, all that. Do you think there was someone in the crowd who'd be like, ah, I shouldn't have taken the over. Yeah. Why did I, why am I wagering on also Oklahoma kinda, high school hoops? Also, please end this game. It is terrible. Can I point out the fact that you made fun of me for asking about a goaltending situation for the AHL club of the NHL team that we cover, but you bring mm-hmm. up. High school basketball in Oklahoma. But you know what the difference was, Laddie? His story was interesting. <laughs> I made it entertaining. Maybe <laughs> it's, to you. It's, well, no. It's everybody. Laddie perks up every time. He's like a, like, you know how there are uh, people with the young kids will get this. Like, young kids, most young kids go through, like, an absolute, like, um, they're infatuated with goalies and like yeah. goalie gear. I don't know if your boy went through it. Like, like garbage all, trucks or just everything. Yeah. Like, but, but yeah. a lot of the time it's, it's, it's goalie stuff. Like you're still there like anytime. So we had, um, we had Bob Kravitz on the yesterday. Other day, yesterday. And in his profile picture, he had some goalie gear on and Laddie was like a six year old. He was like, I'm, he is. Are you a goalie? Ask him about the gear. Yeah, Ask him about the gear. <laughs> it it's so cute. Great. I like it. You're 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 passionate about goalies. That's Nothing all that we and, ask for. Goalies and and the Blue Jays. Even even if the topics are really boring, yeah. like both of yours are, um, you'll be passionate about something. You got to be passionate about something, <laughs> right? You got to dive in. I was really passionate about Oklahoma City hoops there for a while. You know, I was like, all right, there's something. It's here. a good talking point, though. I it means I have something in common with them. I have a starting ground for a conversation. That is true. Mm-hmm. What do you got, dog? I like sugar. He likes yeah, sugar. Yeah. He likes sugar. He likes sugar. Yeah. Cereal and video games, movies. To you know extent. what? Those are very versatile. Yeah. Have I you like ever... cereal and video games together. Have you ever come across a fellow cereal enthusiast? Is it like when in, Millhouse? In life? It's like when Millhouse meet, meets Millhouse. Not that this isn't real life, but this is, I'm yeah, trying to. This th- is pretty real, to, bud. Yeah, I'm trying to think. <laughs> in real life, yeah. <laughs> this is sure. all fantasy. This I'm, isn't happening right now. It's all in my head. I'm not sure what you think this is right <laughs> yeah, now. This is, but this it's happen. not what you think it is. Uh, am I dreaming? Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think I have. I haven't met anybody in my life that is as passionate about cereal. As I am, a fellow adult, what does that tell adult, you? Right? Many, many people online, but that doesn't count. But like, in you know where I bet you'd meet real them? life at the doctor's office. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Dentist's office. Yeah. Oh, you're here too. <laughs> yeah. Are you the guy from that chat room with the Reddit? Some for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. I, I suppose okay. I should go to a serial convention. Focus. Pull it together, everyone. Focus. Hey, you started. There Chuck are... in Vancouver. Chuck in. Just you, you. Be quiet too, because you're not very good at this. Focus. You just yell out focus, and then nobody focuses. Chuck in Vancouver, what we learned, Aaron Rodgers is taking a four-day darkness retreat yep. after, quote-unquote, the big game to consider his NFL future. Yeah. I love this, by the way. He's apparently going to go into a, a house that's just, like, 
I guess has what blackout curtains or something, or is just it's like four more days. Than that? It's four days in total isolation and near complete darkness. Yeah, There's, people in solitary confinement in, in like a prison are like, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. You know what we call this jail. Yeah. But they uh, there's a slot in the door that they slide food in. Right. But then otherwise, you are in com- a complete isolated state. No stimulus whatsoever. Sorry, why is he doing this? Uh, Clear he his sa- mind? He said friends of his have, have done it and have had profound life-altering experiences. Um, you're allowed to leave whenever you want. They don't lock you in a room for four days. So in that regard, it's not really like jail, as far as I understand it. And throw him in the hole. Yeah. And um, this is obviously not the first time that Aaron Rodgers has done this sort of seeking for a deeper meaning journey in the right. offseason. Because yeah. last season. Was it ayahuasca last season? Yes, that's correct. Right. That, yeah. I, I didn't know how to pronounce it. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> it was like the one with the mescaline. Um, but he's done this before. Um, he is. He's a searcher. He's searching for He's something. He's a searcher for sure. That's a really good way yeah. of putting it, actually. He's a searcher. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I like the fact that he'll say this and be with complete transparency. And he's not making fun of the experience. He's not doing it for a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very difficult to put yourself out like that because then idiots like us are like, just do more mushrooms and you'll be fine, right? <laughs> like you don't need to go into a darkness retreat. Or whatever, but I mean, if you got the time, yeah, or do right, yeah, like darkness he, four days, four days. What would you rather do? Go to a week of work or a week of just like sitting in the dark by yourself see, quietly? Here, here's the do thing: you get paid to sit in the dark. Yeah, yeah, I, I take the dark. Here, you take the dark. I think yeah. I think the test is obviously um, <laughs> like for anyone that has children. You're like I would the take dark, eight, Mo. The dark. I would take eight days by myself in the dark because right? it's quiet. It was you know, the I'm dank. Like, Who's the dank? I know. I was playing. Oh, play okay. on, all right. Like, all right. Yeah. 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 Keep I going. feel like after day two, you'd be like, oh. I think that's part of the challenge. Is that yeah. you'd have be to- like <laughs> day two, you'd be like, oh. So dark in here. Yeah. <laughs> anyone else? Twenty, 20, 20 minutes with this jerk. Twenty minutes into it, you're just like, oh my god, what am I? Is doing anyone else getting a dark vibe from this? But god, I, I just keep banging my shit off this coffee table. This yeah. is just super annoying. Is there no light at all? I have complete darkness. I haven't thought this through very well. That's part of the challenge. Is you can't find the toilet because it's dark. Um, <laughs> Random holes as well. You gotta watch. However, you know what I feel badly for the cleaners after that. <laughs> so as I try and bring it back to center. I assume. Oh dear Lord! Turn the lights back off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's an obstacle course or an episode of Double Dare. I think you just sit in the dark. <laughs> what happened here? What do you eat, chili for seven days straight? <laughs> <laughs> On day six, if you make it that far, they throw a tiger into the mix, and they're like, "All right, um, okay." Anyway, What's I think purring I know you're trying to be serious here, but let's I'm just not. Stop. But, but is the inherent challenge not to like not go mad? Because I would imagine the first couple, the first little while would oh, I be think very- the, I think the inherent challenge, there's not a challenge. The challenge think- is see where your brain goes and see if you have any, like, you, you're probably just supposed to let go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But I think, because he did say, like, a lot of people can't make That it. and push-ups. And push-ups. We talk um, a lot, too. And being somewhere where you can't physically talk to someone, it would be a big challenge for us. I you talk like. to yourself. Oh, oh, God, I'd love it. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.